Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. People away, and uh, in this case, there's a whole lot of orphans that go, are going on pasture fire. Where um, pasture fire is a is a mechanism to to speak to a younger generation, to tell them what it means to be a man or woman in today's world, and. Um, so this is not working. Okay. And um, so every year we take about 80 kids away. Uh, not all at once, but on various different trips. And uh, we just try and teach them who they've really been created to be. And, um, but it comes at a price. At a huge price, in fact. Not only financially, but in terms of time and effort and, and setup and... Um, just so much goes into taking these kids away. And I, and I, I want to explain to you why we think it's so important. Why would we spend so much time and effort and financial resources on doing that? Why would we spend so much time on just inputting into, into children's lives and into their future? Why would we do that? And I want to say it's because our culture is wrong. Something is broken in our culture. Something needs to be fixed. We need to change the way that we're doing this world that we've been born into. Something is wrong. Something's not working properly. You know that there are more slaves today than in the day when slavery was aborted, abolished. More slaves today than then. Do you know that in this country alone, there are one, I mean, there are 3.7 million orphans. 3.7 million. Do you know that will fill 44 Moses Mabida stadiums? That's a lot of orphans. It's not something that we should be proud of as a country and as a nation. We are a nation that are known to be a nation of fatherless homes. That's not something to be proud of. Do we think in our naivety that one team, one Springbok team can change this nation? It's not going to happen. starts with us. It starts with the church. The church is going to change this nation. Yes, we can get behind the Springboks, and don't get me wrong, I love the Springboks, and I love rugby, and uh, I think you can switch the slides off now. Thanks, Lenny. But that's not going to change this nation. One, one team is not going to be a father to every orphan in this country. But we have the answer. Why is it that 98% of men on death row hate their fathers and don't want anything to do with them? 98% of men on death row hating their fathers. Something wrong there. Something's gone wrong. Do you agree? Something has gone wrong. Who's going to teach the boys and girls of this nation to be men and women of the future? The media? Their peers? 
society, politicians, sportsmen. It's not going to happen. 3.7 million orphans need fathers and mothers. We have the answer. We have the answer. Hillside Church, you have the answer. We have the answer to all those problems I've mentioned. We have the mystery of Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's a mystery in itself. But it has been revealed to us that Jesus in you is the hope for this nation. I should stop there. Eh? Should we go home? Should we go and be fathers and mothers to those 3.7 million? Because we have the hope of glory within us. We have Jesus within us. We have received the spirit of sonship so that we can cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, my dad. We can cry it out because we have that spirit within us that recognizes that we are a son of the Most High God. Amen. Our spirit recognizes that. It's not like it just, you know, oh, I'm going to look around. Actually, when we hear the Father's voice, we come alive. It's like suddenly, oh, yes, that's my dad. I can cry out, Abba, Father. He's my dad. And I can represent him well because I've got Christ, the hope of glory within me. We are the hope of this nation. Every person that is born on this planet knows that he comes from another human being. There is a DNA in every, every man, woman, and child that recognizes that they come from another human being. Other than Adam, but he's no longer with us, is he? He's long dead. You might hear people say that I'm a squirrel, but actually we all know that he's a human being. It doesn't matter how you want to identify yourself. You are a child of God. You are. I recognize that in you. When I see you, I see children of God. Isn't that amazing? If we truly understood that, would there be any orphans in this country? No. Some of us have had amazing fathers and mothers. Some of us have not. Some of us don't know their father or mother. I've had some fantastic parents in my life. Um, and I am privileged because I have. But I want to say this, that my dad wasn't perfect. I don't think that there is any man or father that is perfect. In my deepest time of distress and sorrow, my dad couldn't meet me. He couldn't console me. And I'm going to read a letter he wrote, which is probably the, the, the thing I treasure most. And it's not, it's not just a letter. It's a recognition of his shortcoming in a time when I needed him most. It says, Dearest Roger, and if uh, I battle to read it, it's not because I'm emotional, but it's because he's a doctor and his handwriting is terrible, so you can see that. 
Um, and that wasn't his shortcoming. It says, Dearest Roger, I just feel I'd like to put in writing some of my feelings. Sorry, but I felt so emotional to be able to express myself well to you after Steve's death. I still feel awful. It feels like a nightmare that should end, but somehow won't. Sorry you weren't with us when Steve died. I did realize he couldn't go on long um, like that. He was suffering and, and getting, getting uh, must be worse, oh, getting weaker, but it was hard to admit to you myself that, that so it's hard to admit to myself, let alone to tell you who, dared, who, who adored Stephen so. Perhaps I should have prepared you better, but, but as a father and not as a doctor. I still hoped for a miracle via chemotherapy. I'll stop there. My dad was amazing. He is dead now, and he's in heaven with his heavenly father. He really was an amazing dad. But there's one thing that I do know, is that no father is perfect. You might think that you've had a good dad, but he's not perfect. If you're a dad here today, you need to understand you're not perfect either. There is something about forgiving your father for not being perfect. There's something in us that needs to forgive our dads for the shortcomings that they have given to us and to release them and to love them for who they are, not for what they are not and what they have not been to us. Gary mentioned it in the, in the prayer meeting that we need to sometimes just forgive the past and move on. Imagine how hurt all those orphans are in this country. 3.7 million of them. Those are all under the age of 18. So there are orphans that are older than that. C.S. Lewis says this, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. I say that's not true. I say it's not true because we were made for this world and we were made for this world. So the only explanation is that we're looking in the wrong place for our desires to be met. If your desires are not being met, I challenge you to look in a different place. Look to our Heavenly Father. He put those desires there in the first place. In John 13, Jesus speaks about him going on a way that his disciples cannot follow him. And then later on in, in 14, uh, he says to Thomas, he says, and this is a question that Thomas asks, but all of us want to ask, is where are you going, Jesus? Where are you going? And Jesus says, well, you know where I'm going. And he says, no, we don't know where you're going. And then Jesus says this most profound statement. He says, 
I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And often we stop there and we say, wow, that's so cool, man. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's good. I can, I can rest on that. But what is he on the way to? What is he directing us to? And here comes the clangor. It says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Every orphan in this, in this country will only get to know the Father if they go the way of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, and the life of Jesus. They will find the Father through Jesus. So Jesus is directing us to the Father. When he says, I'm the way, he says, I'm the journey, I am the road, I'm the path that you should follow. I'm the only way. It's like a one-way road. You can't go this way, that way, around, through this side. There's, no, there's only one way. Says, I am the way, not I am a way. There's only one way to know the Father. One way. It's not ourselves that can get us there. Jesus is the way. When I took over this church or the leadership of this church, I said that Jesus will be the center of everything that we do. And he will continue to be the center of everything we do. Why? Because he's the only way. He's the only way to the Father. He's the only way that we can recognize that we are children of God because of Jesus Christ. He's the only way. I'm actually quite pleased that there's no other ways. Otherwise, it gets really confusing. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of single-minded. I'm a practical guy. Just show me one way. That's okay. I, I, I'll do that. Some of us confuse the issue. There is only one way to the Father, and that's Jesus. He is the voice. He's the shepherd's voice. We are to hear his word. I love the word. Let's not confuse it. Let's, let's enjoy the word. Let's hear his voice in our lives. Here's the path to find the, find the way. Here's the path for you becoming a new you. It's not a change or modification of behavior that he's after. He wants to show you a way that you can become a new you, to be born again in him. It's not just okay, let's do a little bit of brain surgery and adjust you. No. Jesus wants to reach in, take your heart out, and give you a new heart. A new heart, a new you. When we are born again, we are not just modified us. We are born again. We are born into Christ. When we go to the cross, what happens? We die. Amen, brother. We die. And the only way we can get our heartbeat back is to be resurrected. We die and we're given a new heart and a new heartbeat. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is alive. 
In John 14, 18, it says, this is Jesus speaking, I will not leave you as orphans. That's a good way, okay? I think this country needs to know Jesus a little bit, yeah? So they won't be left as orphans. In verse 20, on that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Wow. We could spend some time there. On that day, we'll recognize that I, meaning Jesus, is in his Father, and he is in us, and we are in him. What day is he talking about? The day of salvation, yes. He's, what he's referring to is the day that you come alive. It's the day that stone is rolled away and he says, come out. Lindor, come out of the grave. Peter, come out of the grave. Come alive to who you really are. Who you really are is in me, Jesus. Because I'm in you. That's, a, that's an incredible thing. When you come alive to Christ, you come alive in him. But the amazing thing is, he says he's in us as well. It kind of blows my mind a little bit. Jesus is in me. He's also in you, but he's in me. I'm a little bit, uh, eh? At the same time, yeah. I don't know how that's possible, but I can, I can for a moment, imagine him in me. <laughs> it's so cool, guys. It's so cool. On that resurrection day, when you come alive, he is in you and you're in him. That's a beautiful thing. Imagine, imagine just having a moment to speak to an orphan and saying, do you want to know your real dad? Do you want to know your dad? I can guarantee you he's going to say, yes, tell me who my dad is. Either he's going to say, because I want to give him a clap, because he left me, or he's going to say, because I want to know who I've been created to be. What is my DNA? And I can say to the orphan, your dad is an amazing dad. He's in heaven, and he's in you through Jesus Christ. That's so cool. I love that. I'm the truth, Jesus says. I am the truth. The meaning behind this is that there is no deception. There is no half revealed. There is no fake or false. There is no clouding the issue. This is a complete truth. This is the truth. He is the truth. He is our visual and real picture of the Father. He is our visual and real picture of the Father. Even his words are truth. You know, I'll get to it. He is slow to anger, rich in mercy, compassionate, generous, loving, unconditionally loving you, kind, peaceful, powerful, always willing to heal. Jesus reveals the Father constantly. He wants to reveal the father to you. He wants to tell you who your dad is. In the story of the prodigal son, that story can be about the son, can be about the son that stayed at home. But that story was about Jesus revealing the father to us. The father that waits on his porch 
Is my son going to return today? I don't know. But I'll be there. I'm going to wait. The father eager to receive the son. That's your dad. Eager to give. Dad, I'm sorry. Forget about that. Let me put a ring on your finger. Let me put a robe on you. Let me give you some chow. Let me give you some good food. Let me embrace you. That's the father. The father wants to be that for you. Jesus didn't tell that story for nothing. He spoke the truth. He spoke the truth about the father. The father eagerly wants to embrace you. Yes, you made some mistakes. Hey, we've all made mistakes. He's not interested in the mistakes. He's interested in you. He's interested in you. In John 8, 31 to 34, it says, what? The truth will set you free. It says that, eh? The truth will set you free. Yeah, but what does it say before? Knowing the truth will set you free. Knowing the truth. That, that knowing doesn't mean just, uh, I know that one plus one equals two. It's not that. It means an intimate relationship. It means that I actually know. It is, it is the truth to me. I have that relationship. Because knowing the truth, who is Jesus, will set you free. Do you get that? It's not about just head knowledge. Look, Satan knows this. He knows this. He's heard it all. But he doesn't have relationship. Is Satan free? Definitely not. The truth will set you free by knowing the truth. Knowing Jesus as your Savior will set you free. It'll bring you into a place of freedom. It is that relationship that brings you freedom. You know, no earthly father can truly set you free. Maybe your father hasn't taught you well about who the father in heaven is. But Jesus does. The only weapon that Satan has against us is to try to deceive us. He tries to deceive us into believing that the father is not who, he, who Jesus has represented him to be. I reckon on that crucifixion day, Satan was going, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Big mistake, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he made a mistake. He, he thought, wow, all his work had, had come to this glorious moment where we see the Savior dying, God dying on the cross. Little did he know that what Jesus was doing was revealing the Father's heart for us. The Father is prepared to die for you. In his son. He died for us. We are here with Christ. We come to the cross. We die with Jesus. And we resurrected with him. I can imagine. On that resurrection day. Satan went into mourning. He was probably devastated. Again. Because not only was Jesus risen again, 
But suddenly, there's an opportunity for other people to come alive. Other people to come into a place of freedom. Other people to be in relationship with Jesus. For what? So that we can be free. Free to do what? To reveal the Father. Because Jesus is in us. Buddha said just before he died, you know Buddha? Do you, you know Buddha? Yeah. That chubby guy? Okay, yeah, that guy. He obviously tried to console himself by eating a lot, but he failed. Buddha said this, I'm still searching for the truth. I have not found it yet. And then he died. That's very sad for Buddha. Because he didn't find Jesus. He did not find Jesus. He was a deceived man. He'd fallen to every trap. Seeking here, seeking there. Trying to do good out of his own good works. But he didn't know. He didn't know Jesus. Knowing Jesus or knowing the truth means that we cannot be deceived. Isn't that cool? If I know the truth about something, if I know that, I don't know, whatever I'm holding is black, if I, if I know that, no one can tell me any different because I know it. If I know the truth, if I know Jesus, if I know his heart, and if I know the Father, no one can tell me any different. But what I can do is I can tell them about the truth. I can tell people about the truth. They can tell me whatever they like, but I know the truth. And the truth will set us free. I thought that was the end of my preach, but actually not. I forgot about the life. I am the life. Colossians 1, 15, I'll read a few verses. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Without Jesus... We are dead. Do you know that? He holds us all together. Everything is held together through Jesus. He's keeping everything going, which is also a bit of a, I don't, know, I, I don't even want to try and explain that. But he's keeping everything going. He makes sure that everything still runs. Despite whatever we do, despite the atrocities that happen, despite the fact that fathers will leave their homes and leave their children. Despite all of that, Jesus is keeping everything going. He keeps it going. But he, he says to us that he is the life. In him, we get our life. Things will die around us. Things are slowly dying around us because they're rejecting Jesus. 
They're rejecting the very person that is keeping them alive. Without Jesus, we are dead, directionless, orphans in our ignorance, and constrained. We are made alive in him. In you is Jesus, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you believe that you have life to give? It's a strange thing. There is life within you, and you want to keep it for yourself because you want to stay alive. That's kind of where my thinking would go. Yeah, I've got life in me, but I want to keep it for me because otherwise I'm dead if I don't have it. But Jesus says, give and I will give you more. Give life. Speak life. There's power in the words that we carry. The people that we encounter, give life, not death. Give life. Speak about Jesus. Give life. Who is life? Jesus is life. The cross is a place for us to make a decision. Is Jesus the way, the truth, and the life for you? Do you believe the Father is as Jesus says he is or represented in Jesus? Is your life made new in Jesus? We who believe are people who represent the Father to the world by showing them Jesus. Knowing Jesus and being in relationship with him reminds us of who I am and who I am. Who I am and who I am. There's an incredible privilege to be able to say that. When Moses says, God, who are you? He says, I am. That's something that was quite foreign. I am. God is everything. I am God. But God calls us to be a part of who he is. I am, and I am. I am in Christ's. So are you in Christ. When I see another human being, I need to see I am in him. I need to see Jesus in them. I need to be able to speak life to everyone that I encounter. So the cross reminds us of that. Jesus says, I will not leave us as orphans. And he gives us his Holy Spirit. Amazing thing about Holy Spirit is that he constantly directs us to Jesus. Haven't you found that? Holy Spirit, he doesn't want the glory for himself. He says, no, 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 no. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. What does Jesus say? He says, no, no, no. It's not about me. It's about the Father. What does the Father say? He says, no, man. It's about my son, whom I love, in whom I'm well pleased. Isn't that amazing? A father looks to you and says, I'm well pleased. Holy Spirit in you says, no, it's about, it's about the other son. It's about Jesus. It goes round and round and round. But we are called to be a part of that. We're called to be a part of that great witness to the world. 
that in you is Christ the hope of glory. That's a beautiful thing. Straight after verse 14, it goes into 15, or chapter 14 goes into 15. Jesus straight away starts speaking about, I'm the vine. You need to be grafted into the vine. You need to be grafted into the vine. Why? So we can bear fruit. Because if you're not of the vine, you will die. And you will not bear fruit. Jesus calls us to be grafted in so that we can bear good fruit. Fruit that will last an eternity. Where young men and women will understand that they are no longer orphans. But they are part of a family that we call children of God. I want to I put this out there. Is there anyone that does not know Jesus? That does not know Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life who directs to the Father? Anyone here? Because I'd like to introduce you to my brother called Jesus. Anyone? Okay. We have a challenge. Hillside has a challenge. Yeah, there are some empty chairs here. If we have the hope of glory for this nation, every single chair here should be filled. And when I make a call like that, there should be 500 hands going up. And us as family sitting on the side while other people occupy our chairs. Because we have the hope of glory. And to contain the hope of glory in this small room is a travesty. Come on. It's a challenge. Father, I thank you that we do have the hope of glory within us, that you love us unconditionally, that Jesus, you have revealed the Father to us who is so front-footed that he just constantly wants to embrace us. He wants to give us so many good gifts. But Lord, I thank you that you have given us Holy Spirit who will guide our steps so that we can represent you well. Lord, I pray that, that you stir in us to invite people into this family, this family which is the children of God, a family that carries a banner of Jesus over their heads, a family that will always put Jesus first. Lord, I thank you that we are the hope of South Africa. I thank you, Lord, that we will one day say that there are no more orphans in this nation. There are no more orphans in this nation. I thank you for the work that is being done to bring people into your kingdom. But Lord, I pray that you would constantly challenge us to bring more, to bring your name, Lord, into their hearts so that they might know you. They might know the way, the truth, and the life. I thank you, Lord, that they would be filled to overflowing by your Holy Spirit. Prompt us, Lord. Prompt us. Let us be a people that bring witness to you because you are in us. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you, Lord, that you have incredible plans and purposes for us. Thank you, Lord, for just loving upon us. We are a blessed people. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. 
You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.